Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On this exclusive edition of the Busted Open Podcast, I talked to Tully Blanchard. That's right. One of the original four horsemen, Tully Blanchard. We talk about the NWA in the 80s. We talk about Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Starcade. Also, we compare wrestling back in the 80s with pro wrestling right now in 2021. A lot to get to. Let's do it with Tully Blanchard. The first thing I wanted to bring up is the the, the parking lot attack of Dusty uh, in the TB, at the TBS studios. What's your remembrances of that attack? Well, number one, it wasn't at the TBS studio. Oh, it wasn't? No, it was at Jim Crockett's office. Oh, sorry. Okay. Was Flair even there when we did that? It's funny because I've I've seen I've I've heard interviews where he talks about it firsthand. But if I remember from that video, it it he wasn't there. But obviously, the four horsemen were behind it. So. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm the one that used the baseball bat and yeah, Arn and and uh, uh, I think it was either Luger or Oli at that time. It was Oli, yeah, Oli. It was Oli and and tied him to the to the truck and I hit his arm with the baseball bat. Um and uh, I think JJ was there. Maybe it was just me and Arn. I, I I remember we were just cooped up in that in the back of the car with the 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 TV guy to make sure that uh, we got it all on video and uh but, you know, the horseman, the, the feud that, that Dusty had with, with the horseman and certainly Ric Flair and his, his uh, chase of the world championship was uh, classic starting from when Dusty became the, probably the top babyface in all, the, all of the business when he, when he changed down in Florida and uh, never, never to go back. And uh, it was... I mean, you, you could almost just put Dusty's name on the marquee. And uh, that was that was only heard of maybe by Gorgeous George and Luthez way back in uh, the 40s, late 30s, 40s, and 50s. And, uh, and when Dusty became a babyface, oh, my gosh. In the southeast, you couldn't even – he couldn't drive down the stinking road without getting accosted and, and so on. So it was, uh, it was just really good stuff. And so then when Flair was the world champion, it was naturally – the feud was for the top babyface in the country to go after the NWA world championship. And uh, the ins and outs of that, and then when the four horsemen got formed and – 
and uh, we all got involved. It was it was a pretty entertaining time. Talk about the importance of the NWA world title at that time, especially in the mid '80s. How important that title was? Well, it was it was probably the premier championship uh, in the country, maybe even in the world, because Japan and and all the world promotions were all part of the NWA, and um, and it was. Uh, I mean, the world champion got paid the most money. Uh, he got 10% of the gate. Uh, and uh, I only know that because my dad was a promoter and had to pay it. So, so uh, you know, so, so when you put that kind of monetary value on it, on one champion or one match uh, or one guy in one match, you know, it, it is a very, very uh, – valuable place and important place uh to be and it was very crucial to all the promoters all the way across uh the world and uh because the world champion japan and uh europe england and certainly in canada and the united states were all part of that uh talk about the the differences between dusty Rhodes and rick flair but also maybe some of the similarities between dusty Rhodes and rick flair um, well, probably the biggest similarity is the fact that they, they could both communicate on television, uh, uh, with a microphone. And, uh, I wouldn't say which one was, they, they had different characters, but they were both at the top of the list and, uh, people would like to listen to them talk as much as they would like to watch them wrestle. And, uh, you know, the differences that, you know, Flair was basically a heel and worked like one and Dusty was not and worked like the other guy, uh, worked like a baby face. And, and it was there was a difference back in that time, uh, whereas today I don't know that you see a lot of difference in the way guys wrestle or flip or whatever they do. <laughs> Um, September I know I'm 20- too old to do it. Well, no, I, 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 we talk about it a lot, the prostitution of moves where, you know, one particular, you would build up in a match to one particular move, like, like, like Dusty, the bionic elbow, you know, Ric Flair, the figure four leg lock. And it seems like now in pro wrestling, it's all about the moves. So many moves that you really don't have the quote unquote finisher like you used to have, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Well, I have been gone for quite a while. Uh, you know, I just started back uh, a year ago uh, with uh, AEW, and so I'm I'm getting reorient orientated, um, and uh, I've got some. I'm, I'm, I'm on a learning curve right now. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a big, it's a big gap in between. There's no doubt. And, uh, but the thing is the, you know, it, it was, uh, one of, one of, uh, Dax, uh, Harwood, he sent me a copy of 
the first match that Arn and I had with the WWF back in 1988. And I looked at that and I went, wow, that was because I haven't seen that match in however long. And um, I said, wow. So I sent it to uh, Sean Spears and said, this is the first match that Arn and I had with the WWF. And I said, you need to look at the start of this thing and see what we're doing because we're, Sean is changing his style. He is, he is being uh, much more like I used to be. He's being more aggressive and, and, and things. And I think it will be a much, much better product when it's, when it's finished. And, and he is, he's such a, uh, well, he, he loves this business and been in it for a long time and works hard and, and uh, uh, just kind of a treat to be around. Um, and so, uh, but things, things are, the things that got dusty over, the things that got flare over, the things that got the four horsemen over, the things that got animal and hawk over, uh, you know, those things don't, they're pretty common. They don't really change a lot. And if you do the, do the stuff right, you don't necessarily have to do 42 flips. I, but nobody's asked me. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. No, it's, it's, it's about, <clears throat> I think it's more about storytelling and emotions. And I wanted to bring up in regards to Flair and Dusty a day, you know, September 29th, 1985, when you saw true emotions from a crowd that the cage match, between Flair and and Nikita, Ivan Koloff gets involved. They attack Ric Flair. Dusty comes in to help Rick, and then the four horsemen come in to attack Dusty. Do you remember that incident in the cage? Um, was that Starcade? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Starcade, but it led up to Starcade. Um, but okay. but just. But just talk in general. Just talk in general about like the emotions of the crowd around that time, especially when it came oh, to Flair and for, Dusty for five years, for six yeah. years. I mean, it was, you know, I tell guys that now, and I say, I mean, you guys don't understand. I mean, this was there weren't barricades and eighty-five security officers, and you know, and there were times when you couldn't get back to the dressing room or you almost didn't get back to the dressing room because the fans were, were riot, almost rioting. You know, I hate to use that word riot at this point in our, in our country, but uh, you know, they, they were, they were agitated to a very high degree and um, you know, and, and, and that is, back in those days that's what sold tickets you know if if you had people that emotional they would buy a ticket the next time you came to town or the next time the that kind of stuff and and that's what you what what you strived to do all the time and uh i know that that uh arn and i and barry and and flair i mean all four of us always had tried to have the best match on the card every night 
you know, and, and, and that's a, that's a pretty highfalutin group of guys, those four. And, um, it, it was, it was hard to, uh, outdo each other, but, you know, it wasn't in a jealousy way. It was in a, uh, this is our product. This is, we're the professionals and we're the standard. We're the gold standard for this company and for the NWA. And that's the way we operate it. And Dusty and Magnum and, and uh, the Rock and Roll Express and Nikita and Ivan uh, were the same thing. Bobby and, and Dennis and, uh, oh my gosh, the, the, there was a lot of talent. And that's just the ones I can remember. When you mentioned Starcade, I, I think one of the greatest matches in, in Starcade <coughs> history was the I Quit match with, with you and Magnum TA. I mean, I think that's the match that most people would bring up. Was that your, like, in your, in your mind, the best match that you had? It's the best match I had that year. <laughs> <laughs> Um, some, some of the best matches, uh, but I mean, all the matches that we had leading up to that with Magnum were, were, uh, phenomenal and his career being cut short with the car wreck, uh, was, was a very, very sad thing, but you know, I mean, the company just kept growing and growing and getting better and better. Uh, the, the depth and the talent was just unbelievable. Um, but. You know, it is the, when when the horseman dynamics changed when Ole got fired and Luger came in and and then Barry switched uh, to be one of the horsemen. Arn and I became tag team uh, champions and wrestlers, and then went to the WWF. Um, some some of those tag matches were were. You can, you can get a lot more emotion out of a tag match than you can out of a single match because you just have more characters and more things can be done. And I think some of the greatest matches that I've ever been a part of were probably uh, the tag scenario, even though the match that I personally am probably the most well-known for is the I quit match. I mean, and I never matches. said I quit either. No, I, I mean – I'm not one. I'm not one to argue. It sounded that way from New Jersey, but, but you know, I wasn't there, so I couldn't tell for sure. Um, I got to see one of your matches at. I I live in New Jersey, so I grew okay. up and lived in New Jersey, and you had a match with Dusty uh, at the Meadowlands. Yeah, and that was what was so amazing about that era, and especially the NWA at that time. There was so much talent in the NWA at that time, and. Um, Myself being in New Jersey, I, I was never a fan of the WWF. I, I was an NWA fan. Yeah. Even growing up in New Jersey because, um, you know, it was it was real men fighting for real titles. It wasn't characters or 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 over the top cartoonish. It was it, it felt real. It felt yeah. very, very real at that time. Well, we worked really hard to make it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I always was upset because that pro wrestling USA company that came to New Jersey, um, that you guys got record, got amazing crowds for the, for, for those, for those shows, you know, f you know, 15, 16,000 people would come to the Meadowlands for those NWA shows back in the 80s. Yeah. 
and when we're, when we first started up there, it was it was hard, but because uh, the wrestling fans were not used to stuff that, the way we did it, mm-hmm. and uh, but there were a lot of people that came, so that was the most important part. And it and it and it grew so that and then it's and then it stopped, <laughs> then, <laughs> the, and I went through withdrawal. So. Yeah. Um, by the way, the work with AEW has been great. I mean, you, you've been amazing. Well, thank you. It's been kind of a surprise. And certainly being back involved in the, the wrestling business is not something when you've been gone for almost 30 years, uh, you, you don't really expect that part of your life to resurrect itself. But it is resurrecting a little bit. Hopefully it'll be for a while and it's, uh, it's doing well and it's doing well in, in a demographic of wrestling fans that pretty much have stayed away over the last 20 years. That 18 to 35 year old fan is the, is the fans that are watching AEW, which is great because they're going to stick with you for a while. So, yes. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.